The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thank you for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Looking forward to uh, some excellent guests uh, tonight. Uh, One will be a guy that's no stranger to you, and that is the now Eclipse Award winning writer, Marty McGee. Of course, Marty's uh, been with the Daily Racing Forum for many, many years, and uh, he penned a, a story uh, called Forces Sormo Conflicting Views on His Struggles. And it was absolutely a marvelous story that he got the Eclipse Award. So while uh, normally I call on Marty for his handicapping prowess around Breeders' Cup time or Travers and particularly the Derby since he grew up in Louisville, tonight we're going to be talking more with Marty about, uh, about his writing and uh, his garnering his first Eclipse Award. And then... Uh, if you're no stranger to uh, the Blood Horse website, a great place to go on, on, on Mondays is for After the Wire, and Evan Hammonds will be coming on with us. And, of course, what he does in After the Wire is in video format, will break down uh, either a race or several races from the previous week and kind of sh- show you what happened in the race and then give his analysis of it. So uh, we're starting to get a little bit of derby fever. Uh, we've had the LeCompte, we've had the Sham, we've had the Jerome, even the California Derby. And, of course, uh, last week we had the Holy Bull. And so it'll be great to kind of pick Evan's brain as far as uh, what's going on with the three-year-olds. And then uh, Evan's going to stick around and handicap with us. I believe Marty's down in uh, Tampa Bay. He might have some input into the Sam Davis. Very interesting race. No points for the Derby, but brought together some very promising three-year-olds. And then there will be a points race at Aqueduct, which is the Withers, the grade three, quarter million dollars. Up for grabs there, and believe it or not, two best horses in the field look like they're New York breads. Then we go out to Santa Anita, a race that might have impact on the Kentucky Oaks, the Las Virgenes, a grade one, 300000 obviously three-year-olds. Phillies, and if we get a chance, we'll go to the Arcadia, which is a wide, wide open race. That's the eighth at Santa Anita on Saturday. Well, uh, a lot of uh, late breaking news, and uh, the reason why there's no such thing as a standout when you look at the early Derby book is that you just aren't sure who's going to make it in the starting gate or how they're going to get there. Obviously, you need to get there through the point system now, but uh, we're seeing some of the top horses. Uh, shared belief uh, has been set back uh, in, in, his, uh, in his training schedule, uh, so he's going to have to uh, maybe take a little bit of a different road out there on the West Coast. I believe there's some uh, rear-end issues there. And then another one, Honor Code, uh, who uh, seems to be, you know, but 
so many people's top pick coming out of the Suge McGay barn, has missed 10 days of training for what Suge calls bruising up his back ankles. So uh, he had missed 10 days of training, and as you know, this time of the year, really, the first Saturday of May comes kind of quick, so he's probably not going to make the fountain of youth uh, as they had expected uh, to do. Of course, honor code... uh, defeated Cairo Prince in the Remsen in his last start of the year. And uh, Cairo Prince, as uh, you uh, probably well know by now, uh, looked awful good in the Holy Bull at Gulfstream Park last week. So uh, should call it a little setback. Uh, set of course, last year he won the Derby. Uh, with uh, with Orb, but uh, with Honor Code pretty much out of the fountain of youth, it looks like it's going to open the door for his stablemate, Top Billing, who make his uh, stakes debut there. He's a son of Curlin that's owned by uh, Bill, Bill Farish and E.J. Hudson Jr. He's won two or three starts. Also, going to miss the fountain of youth, another horse that was considered in the top three uh, two-year-olds last year, and that would be Havana. Looks like he might turn back and go in the swell stakes on March 1st. Um, he's not going to make the Fountain of Youth. Uh, he says he, uh, Pletcher, of course, says we got a little behind schedule with him, but hopefully we'll be able to get him back on the work schedule this week and make the swell. So uh, that's uh, where he's going with Havana. Uh, look, coming back from last year, our two El Pletcher's top stars that are both uh, in the beginning stages of their training, and that would be Belmont winner Palace Malice and Princess of Silmar. So it's good to see that they are back in training. Uh, we broke the story here, oh, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, that Rhea Antonio was going to set her sights on the Kentucky Derby. Uh, owner Ron Pellucci was with us, a great guy, but uh, they, they shipped over. And they decided they were going to take the first step against the girls at the fairgrounds, and then they were going to try to uh, uh, set their sights on the Risen Star or the Louisiana Derby. But uh, instead he decided to go against the girls and the Rachel Alexander before he took on the boys. But the problem is, since the Jeremiah Englehart trainee got over to New Orleans, the weather down there has put a damper on their plans. They were on a tight schedule anyway, but they've uh, closed the track now for three days for training. And as you know, uh, Mother Nature can really screw up the schedule uh, of a good horse, and you got to have them fit and ready to roll. Of course, Rhea Antonio was put up in the Breeders' Cup Juveniles Philly, and uh has earnings of over $1.1 million. And uh, we want to say uh, congratulations to Jose Arias, who won the National Handicap Championship in Las Vegas last week. I'm going to try to get him on the show. Uh, I called him just once and told him we were interested in having him. So he's going to win the Eclipse Award winner as Handicapper of the Year. And once again, it looks like it was a close one. Arias who ended up with $338.20, defeated Tony Bryce, who had $337.20, and he goes home with $750,000. So hopefully uh, we can get him to be on uh, Winning Ponies with us and tell us about his handicapping style, which he says is uh, basically he likes to review the races uh, visually and he uses uh, DRF. Well, uh 
Jackie Taylor Rice might be one you want to remember. That's Linda Rice's niece. She won four races at Aqueduct on Monday. You know, this is the time of year when apprentice jockeys always pop up at Aqueduct while a lot of the top riders are in the warmer weather uh, taking up their mounts and setting up some of their big horses for the Derby or the Oaks. So, meanwhile, apprentice Jackie Taylor Rice took advantage of it. She's only 25 years old. Again, the niece of trainer Linda Rice. And... uh, Success is on the way. She's a graduate of Florida State University. She started riding at Presque Isle, uh, rode a little bit at Belmont, and then she went to Hawthorne, where she did fairly well. I believe she finished third in the standings up there. Well, the Jockeys Guild had their meeting down in Florida this week. And uh, they presented awards to three individuals for outstanding achievements and service to the horse industry. Uh, Javier Castellano was awarded the Lafitte Pinkai Junior Award. Uh, of course, uh, what a year he had. Uh, he won the 2013 Eclipse Award as outstanding jockey and set an earnings record of 26.2 million dollars. Now, uh, Cody Jensen got the Jackie Martin Award, and that was given to the outstanding quarter horse jockey for exceptional achievement. And uh, Nancy Kelly was presented the Eddie Arcar Award that's given to those who have shown exceptional commitment to jockeys and the Jockeys Guild. Uh, she's been a member of the Jockey Club staff since 85 and oversees all the major fundraising for the Grace and Jockey Club Research Foundation. So uh, very, very uh, deserved to all three of those. And, well, here's Johnny. That's right. Welcome back. Johnny Velasquez boot home his first winner since his return. Good to see him back. Um, it took six starts, and he finally got back for Todd Pletcher, and uh, he was able to celebrate the odds on favorite. Cruise to victory, and that was just yesterday. And if all goes well, I've got a pretty good word. John Velasquez is going to be a guest on this Winning Pony show next week. He's going to update us on his rehab, his return to riding, and a lot of the hot topics that came up at the recent Jockey Skilled Conference in Florida. All right, champion will take charge. Looks like he's going to kick off his season in the Don Handicap. Of course, he just got the Eclipse Award for top three-year-old. He's going to go with the half a million Don and uh, this is going to turn out to be one heck of a race. He's a horse that really just blossomed the, the later they got, uh, winning the Travers, the Pennsylvania Derby, just missed against his elders uh, and Mucho Macho Man in the $5 million Breeders' Cup, and then uh, came back to defeat the classy game-on dude in the half-a-million-dollar Clark handicap down at Churchill Downs. So that's the route uh, that that he's going to take. The Don, again, always a a very good race. We're going to see a revolutionary who just uh, made his return. Of course, last year he won the Louisiana Derby and the Withers Stakes. He was third in the Kentucky Derby before he ended up hitting the uh, sidelines. But also nominated to the mild and eighth event are Lee, who was a sharp winner of the Hales Hope Stakes at Gulfstream Park on January 11th. Uh, He's now in the barn of Bill Mott. And also, the Nick Gonzalez-trained River 7 established a track record for eight-and-a-half furlongs at the Harlan's Holiday Stakes on December 22nd. He's thinking about going in there, so uh, keep an eye out for the Don. I think it's going to be, as always, an outstanding race. Well, let's take a uh, quick look at some of the races that we, uh, we looked at last week, and there were some good ones, starting with the Holy Bull. Uh, 
There were a lot of horses in there that people said could take down Cairo Prince. Did not happen. Uh, Cairo Prince was very, very impressive in there. And, uh, again, this is a horse that Honor Code only beat by a nose in the Remsen. So it's going to be very interesting to uh, see what happens. Uh, uh, Coup de Grasse was a speed horse in there. Chad Brown says he's probably going to turn him back and shoot more towards uh seven furlong races, but we'll be talking to Evan Hammonds a little bit about his uh, uh, views on on the Holy Bull and where some of these other two-year-olds will be going. Also at Gulfstream Park, uh, we had the a forward gale. Uh, there were no stakes winners in there, but there are now. Only for you remains undefeated. The three-year-old daughter of Malibu Moon. Now, this was seven furlongs. We'll see if she'll stretch out and can uh, possibly be a factor uh, in, in the Kentucky Oaks. Trained by Todd Pletcher, Javier Castellano in the saddle. Went off at one to five, wire to wire. Another talented offspring of Malibu Moon. What a year or two years that this young son of AP Indy is having uh, standing there at Spencer Farm in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, second was Oriental's Bell, and third was Resistive. Uh, then we went out to Santa Anita for the Santa Monica, and the winner in there, well, we had Dan Torjan with us, Dananimous, and he came with the slight upset in there. Scherzinger got by the favored 7-5 Teddy's Promise, who was making her last lifetime start before uh, going to the breeding shed to smart strike. About with Mike Smith in the saddle, it was a beautiful ride off at 4-1. to one. Scherzinger got the job done over Iotapa and Teddy's Promise, finishing her career in the third spot. Uh, then we went out to the richest race for thoroughbreds in the state of Texas. It was the Houston Ladies Classic, and the winner was at 5-1, to one, Rose to Gold. Uh, Rose to Gold won by a length and a half over the uh, favored Unusual Way, who tried to go wire to wire, but just couldn't get the job done. And in the third spot was class included. Well, we've got some class included in Winning Ponies this week, and that class act is going to be one Marty McGee, fresh off his Eclipse Award. So we're going to take a little bit of a break here, and we're going to be back with one of my favorite writers from the Daily Racing Forum, Marty McGee on Winning Ponies. to the pros we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and again, with, with me, one of my favorite people and certainly one of my favorite riders in the sport of racing, uh, Marty McGee. Uh, he was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, he's worked for the Daily Racing Forum since 1992. Uh, for six and a half years, he's a handicapper and race writer for the sports department of the Baltimore Sun. And uh, he went to uh, UK. He's got a degree in journalism. Uh, and he's uh, pretty much uh, a, a part of the wallpaper at Keeneland and Churchill Downs when they're racing live. He's been there for 20 years on writing assignments in more than 15 states. He's very well-traveled. As a matter of fact, he's uh, lucky enough to be uh, slightly south of the uh, freeze that we have going. Uh, he's down in Tampa right now. And uh, uh, welcome to, to the show, Marty McGee. How are you? I'm doing great, John. I appreciate you having me. It's, uh, it was, I was telling you uh, during the break how cold it was here in Tampa this morning, very Uncharacteristically, it was about 40. And uh, I was, <laughs> was going to take a picture and post it on Twitter and say, is this Tampa or Turfway? And uh, <laughs> it was pretty nasty here this morning. But they're, they're saying tomorrow, Friday, it's supposed to be uh, supposed to really warm up. And by the time they run the Sam Davis here on Saturday, it's supposed to be close to 80 degrees. Well, Marty, uh, I, I remember the, the day that, that, I, that I read your column for DeSormo, conflicting views on his struggles. And normally, I try not to approach you in the press box because you're always busy working until after the races. But that day, I had to walk off the elevator and go right up to you and tell you what an outstanding story that was, and I'm telling you, you, you were all the buzz of the press box. Uh, you just knocked it out of the park with that story, and congratulations on your Eclipse Award. Well, it was quite an honor to, to get it a couple Saturdays ago, John. It was really, uh, you know, like you, you were saying when you introduced me, I've done this for almost 30 years, and, uh, you know, I, I actually grew up in the press box at Kingland. I was writing for the University of Kentucky paper back in the, actually, 1979, I think it was the first time I did a story, so... Uh, been a lot of water going under that bridge and um you know it's just it's really an honor just to to be recognized for something that's such a pleasure to do you know it, I, I really feel like i'm in the top one percent of people who enjoy their jobs and um i hope it shows in my work and 
And, uh, you know, with my family in the game, my brother Paul and my brother-in-law Ron, and my dad was such a avid horse player. He's been gone six years now, but, um, you know, just to... Just to be honored in that way was uh, was something really, really special. I I didn't get to mention all the people I wanted to in my um, speech because Alex Waldrop kind of, <laughs> he kind of cuffed me on the ears. I walked in, I said, I, I got two and a half minutes. He goes, no, no, <laughs> you're going to do like one minute. So I kind of had to go to work on cutting some people out of there. But anyway, it was a, it was a special night, and uh, I'm just really proud to carry the banner of daily racing form for as long as I have, and I just hope I get to keep doing it as long as, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to and, and they'll have me. Well, what's great about it is uh, this award is given to you by your uh, contemporaries in the National Thoroughbred Racing Association, of course, the Daily Racing Forum, and the National Turf Riders and Broadcasters. So these guys, these are guys that have been there and done that, and they know a good story when when they see one. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell uh, every listener right now that they need to go to drf.com and they can they can uh, Google Marty McGee, or I believe they could probably just Google for DeSormo convicting views on his struggles. Uh, I've read the story, obviously, back in the day it was written, but uh, I've read it twice in the last two days, and I'll tell you, it it, it gets me every time, Marty. I mean, um, the reason I want people to to read the story is because of uh, the the personal way that you got involved uh it, it it seems with their family um your description uh, both uh, physically and emotionally uh, of his parents uh and uh, they're looking back on Kent and Kent's uh a pretty forward comments about himself and, and then uh his relationship with his brother i mean i i kind of felt like i was in a car or, or at a dinner table with you and the desormos it was phenomenal well, I appreciate that. You know, Kent and Kent was a bug boy in 1986 at, at Laurel when I first met him, and that's how long I've known him. And I was writing for the Sun, and Keith came to live with Kent, just as my brother came to live with me uh, there in Maryland. So we were all in our 20s, and actually, Kent wasn't even 20 yet. And um, it, they just—they've trusted me all that time. Kent wrote a lot. As a matter of fact, Kent's first. Uh, this story, John, is like 5,100 words. I wrote 8,000, and uh, I would even allow you to, I've kept that, the original, and had even more personal things in there, like uh, Kent wrote the first, uh, his first ever winner at Churchill Downs was for my brother. His first ever stakes winner at Churchill Downs was for my brother, uh, a horse named Baltz's RB in the Clark Handicap in 1988. So we used to play basketball together and softball and uh uh, then Kent went to California, wrote a lot for my brother-in-law, Ron Ellis. So um, I remember I went down there to, to write a story about Keith, about the horse, uh, what's his name? I don't I've have a nerve. A nerve. Or <laughs> yeah, I've struck a nerve. We haven't heard much from him since, but he was yeah, on the Derby Trail. That, the that's the reason I went down there. And I stayed with my, the only reason the form let me go is because I could fly down there. My brother picked me up at the airport and I could stay at his condo. He's a trainer down fairgrounds right there, and he was last year. So it was a cheap trip for us, and... Um, the the premise of the story was here's uh, Keith the Sorbo the the shoes on the other foot the the trainer brother nobody's really ever heard of he's got a derby horse well the horse got hurt and the more Keith and I got into it uh, the issues that were involved with Kent um, you know it, it made for a pretty compelling story and then when I called Kent he goes well you know I consider you a friend I consider your whole family my friends come on I'll be open for you so that's 
that's really how the, the story just kind of came about. And obviously, I put a lot of time and effort into it. And uh, like I said, I wrote 8,000 words, which is, you know, I'm sure it's the longest story I've ever written. It was cold down to 5,000. There's the finished product. But, uh, um, you know, it's just kind of been a, there was 67 entries, I was told, in, in the feature category. And one of them was the Tim Layden story. It was just a tremendous piece on Jeff Lucas. Yes, it was. 10 or 15,000 words. And I was stunned when they said that my piece uh, won over his. He got an honorable mention. But uh, I guess, uh, like you said, there was a lot of personal things involved, very emotional. His mom and dad are just tremendous people. Uh, they got a, a beautiful house and beautiful family and uh, you know, again it's just an honor to have been the, the guy to tell the story in, in, a, in a proper way. I, I have to ask you this because some other sports writers have told me in the past hey John they really made me pull some stuff from this story I want you to go here so you can really read what I wrote. Is there any way for someone to access your full story before editing? Um, no, there's not. I mean, it's, it's on a Word document that I've emailed to a number of people, uh, some close friends, and, of course, my bosses all saw it. But uh, just for the, for, to fit the pages of, of the form, um, even as it ran, 5,100 words, uh, my former editor, Rich Rosenberg, said that's, a, that's the longest story we've ever run in the Daily Racing Form. I don't know if that's true back to the 1894 origins, but, uh, <laughs> you know, at least in the modern era, I guess. So, um in terms of, uh, I mean, I would be more than willing to give it to you. And if you wanted to, you, I, you know, it, it, it's an open book. If at some point you wanted to, you know, say something about it to, on your show or whatever, that'd be great. Uh, I'd love to. You've got my email. Please, please send yeah. it. Now, you, you know, your, your description, like I said, as personal as it was, did you actually uh, sit down with the Sormos and break bread? I mean, it was just amazing the detail that you gave about their house and the look on their face and, and how they felt about Kent. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I went together with Keith, and, the, and we drove from uh, from fairgrounds. I got in the car to New Orleans, his barn in uh, fairgrounds, and went down to uh, Maurice, and it took us almost four hours because he wanted to, Keith is extremely well-educated and uh, well-versed on the history of, of the land from where he's from, so he took me through Lafayette and a lot of other places, and a lot of that got cut out, actually, and um, so that drive in itself, you know, that was a pretty revealing time for, for Keith to just kind of open up to me, and then we got down there. And um, we sat down with his mom and dad, and then Keith's girlfriend was there. And then my brother had driven down behind Keith and I to pick me up and take me back to New Orleans that night while Keith stayed there with his mom and dad overnight. So that's that's how I had the time. You know, Keith's mom and dad even came, Keith's uh, dad, Harris, came to Maryland. I knew him from back in Maryland. He actually trained a small stable for about six months there in the late 80s. And then the mother, she came to, um, Brenda's her name, she came to uh, um, the Churchill Downs a number of times. And one time, Paul won a race with Kent up on the last race. I think mean, it was Derby Day. And David Holloway was the owner. And there was this lady that was, like, getting in the way and and, uh, and talking to my brother, Paul, can tell the story. It's like, David Holloway, who is that? And it was uh, Kent DeSorbo's mother. She was right front and center with her big hat and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's how long I've known them. That was like, I think that was the mid-90s by then. But, 
Yeah, I mean, she, uh, you know, the, the stuff that Ken's going through is, um, you know, he was pretty, he was very open about it. Um, and uh, obviously some of the things that have happened in the past did not sit too well with his parents. His mother actually started crying when we started talking about it. And, you know, Ken Soros, uh, he's one of my heroes. He, he's got a child with something called Usher Syndrome. That was part of the story. And uh, yeah. that's, that's something he wakes up with every day. And, uh, you know, who are we to, to judge him on what he does, you know, day-to-day, hour-to-hour. And, you know, we all have our own crosses to bear, and, and I say God bless him, and it's his life. Well, uh, Marty, could you uh, update us on what plans he may have, where he, where, where he plans to, to end up this spring? Do you have any idea? Well, as you know, he rode at, uh, fairly successfully at, at Arlington over the summer, um, and he has been in Florida quite a bit. I think he's won a number of races for Wesley Ward and some other trainers. Uh, um, and then I read in the racing form where he's going to start riding at, at California last weekend. As a matter of fact, he rode a 65 to 1 shot on, I think it was Cal Cup Day in one of the stakes. Wow. Now, on Saturday, he's scheduled to ride Noble Cornerstone here at Tampa for Wesley Ward, and that horse really looks like a contender. But he's also named on a uh, horse for Steve Asmussen in the Arcadia the same day. And <laughs> he better have no a way fast to ride both. And I texted him this morning, and he didn't answer me. I don't know why, if he's busy or what. But uh, he, I don't know what he's going to do this this um, this spring. I mean, what, where are we? We're at the end of January, and he's been riding at Gulfstream with you know a fair amount of success. Not nearly as much as he had become accustomed, but. Uh, I don't even know who his agent is right now, John, but wow, I'd like to see him get back on. You know, he's still got some real lofty goals. He wants to be the all-time leading winningest jockey uh, in from Louisiana and uh, wants to win another derby. He wants to tie Arcaro and Hartack with five, and uh, he's only 40. Let's see, he was born in 1970, so he's 44. His 44th birthday is coming up. So, you know, he's relative to um, a sports guy. He's old, but relative to jockeys, not necessarily. And uh, I just kind of like to see him get it, get it going again. Well, and, and he, over the years, quite frankly, for the most part, he, he's been blessed with good health. So uh, we wish him uh, nothing but the best. And uh, we, we've been blessed with uh, 15 minutes of talking to Eclipse Award winner Marty McGee. Again, ladies and gentlemen, you, you've, it's called For DeSormo, Conflicting Views on His Struggles. This is a must-read, and it's free on DRF.com. Marty, thanks so much. And seriously, if you would send me the, the unedited version, I would love to read a copy. Be glad to, John. Thanks again for having me. Appreciate it. All right. That's uh, Eclipse Award winner Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum. We're going to take a quick break, and we come back. We're going to talk with Evan Hammonds, the man that breaks down what happened every weekend in thoroughbred racing for the Blood Horse. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, a return guest, Evan Hammonds. He made the mistake of saying, John, call me anytime. I enjoyed myself, so I called him back. He's been working at the Blood Horse for over uh, 15 years, started out as a managing editor back in 1998. He was executive editor in 2007. Before that, well, he worked for the Daily Racing Forum in their offices in New Jersey and Arizona, but he has always had his thumb on horse racing because he grew up in Lexington, Kentucky, learning a handicap basics from his grandmother. I love that. You used to take him to Keeneland. Well, uh, again, if you uh, if you pull up the, the, the blood horse uh, after the weekend's races, uh, you, you'll, you'll get to uh, see Evan giving his analysis yeah. after the wire, um, pick, picking out a key race uh, that he wants to make some points of. He likes to analyze it. Not only talks about the winner, but talks about horses that look like they could be on the improve out of that race. And uh, last week, of course, uh, the the headliner uh, was the Holy Bull. Uh, so with with us right now, I'd like to introduce from the Blood Horse, Evan Hammonds. Evan, how you doing? I'm doing great. And it's funny you uh, you mentioned my time at the Racing Forum. I spent a lot of that time uh, editing Marty McGee's copy. <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable. I, I know you read his story, and, and you know that I'm not blowing smoke to say that. That was one of the best ones that's been written in years. Yes, it has, and I've known Marty for a long time. We both went to the University of Kentucky together, and I'm not going to tell you what years those were, so... Uh, well, well, we'll just let that go. I, I know where I know where you're you're coming from. Well, you know it's it's kind of interesting. I'll I'll get your read on it. I'll give you mine. Um, when when the Derby point system uh, came out, uh, I wasn't crazy about the fact that uh, Churchill took it upon themselves to say this is the way we're going to do it, even though they've been doing it another way for uh, over 135 years. Uh-huh. Um, but quite frankly. I, I, I'm sold on it. Uh, I really think that, that the point system um, has, helps, I think, in a horse's training to some extent. And I think it, you know people can't sit on their hands uh, just because they want a whole lot of races a two-year-old and, and get a golden ticket to the derby. And, uh, and the fact that it uh, exponentially grows 
as you get those those marquee races that lead up to the Derby, where you know if you're kind of sitting on the fence, it, it makes you have to go into those races. I, what, what's your read on the points? Yeah, I, I think it you know it, it 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 places a lot more emphasis on the end races. It generates a lot more excitement for the fans. I'm not so sure in reality it really makes a whole lot of difference. I think last year, you know, one year doesn't tell you everything. But I think last year, you know, if you did the old uh, graded stakes earnings and then the point system, it, it came out to be pretty much be the same 20 horses. But I think yeah. it's still, you know, the, the cream of at least the, the 10 to 15 are going to rise to the top. Regardless, you may get one here or there. Uh, you know, you get a hot horse at, at the end. But, you know, uh, those races, the, the key races that they make you run in, you know, the 100-point races, are also the races that are worth you know five hundred thousand, seven hundred fifty thousand, a million dollars. So you're going to get in anyway. Well, right, but I do like system, the emphasis on on distance and and uh, the, the fact that you, you can't just get lucky as a two year old win a million dollar race and you're automatically in the Derby. That, that, that's true. That's true. But also the way uh, you know trainers have changed now. You get so many horses that just have two and three starts. Uh, it, it makes it really tough. It really puts a big emphasis on those races, and those horses have to be ready. Absolutely, and, and uh, but it is amazing how somebody can really kind of leapfrog pr- pretty quick, even though your horse has only had two starts. If for some reason you have a breakout race in one of those one hundred point races, mm-hmm. that's true. Now it's funny you say that, but all of a sudden it just popped in the back of my mind. I'm not so sure uh, the point system and having just the two starts really helps a horse for the Triple Crown. Now, I think it really helps a horse for the Kentucky Derby, but I'm not sure that having two or three starts or really putting the emphasis on that final prep helps them two weeks down the road and another three weeks down the road in the Belmont. But then again, that remains to be seen. We're only in the second year of this. Well, you know, again, you see a horse like like will take charge as you know from a guy that grew up in lexington I, that horses develop at different times i mean uh will take charge just you know turn into a monster at the end of the season uh mm-hmm. so you know it's not always the best three-year-old as we know from the eclipse balloting that that is ready to win on the first saturday in may yeah well, well oddly enough i thought he was ready to win on the first saturday in may and i selected him and i bet on him at 36 to 1 <laughs> It'll, Too bad you didn't hold that back to the Travers and the Pennsylvania Derby back. a little later on in the Clark Handicap. <laughs> yeah, it took me six months later to get my money back. Well, uh, as anybody that goes publicly uh, with, their, with their opinions, as uh-huh. I have as a public handicapper on, on television, uh, you, 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 get, you get criticized, but you also get a chance to, to, to make your point. And I've always been a big fan of trip handicapping, and that's really what you get to do on After the Wire is kind of a breakdown a race. And, and, you know, was the win as impressive as you thought? Or, man, this horse has stamped himself as the real deal. Let's go back uh, to, to the Holy Bull, the, the grade two that was run at, at Gulfstream Park, uh, as I uh, said with Dan Torchman last week. That as much as Cairo Prince was the horse probably to beat, there was a lot of talent in there. Yeah, that, that was a really good field, and, and of all the races that have been run so far, and there haven't been many. You know, you, you still have to take everything with a grain of salt. We're still only in uh, January. That was by far the best field, and I think the best outcome. Uh, Cairo Prince, obviously, you know, was even money. He wasn't a surprise, but he he ran like you want to see a Derby contender run. Uh, you had some other really quality horses in there. Um, I was a big fan of Conquest Titan, who also uh, ran, I think, a, a huge race 
after kind of getting squeezed, he was last early, which is Gulfstream is a, <laughs> as you know, not the place to be. He made he made a good long sustained run, and 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 I thought finished a very solid second, and and I think he's you know one that can really move forward between now and first Saturday in May. Well, you know, you can't uh, you can't blast his dad, Birdstone. I believe he won a race called the Belmont Stakes. So uh, perhaps uh, being out of a mine shaft, mayor distances is not a question. Conquest Titan may have a nice future ahead of him. I, I really think he does. And uh, 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 talking to uh, uh, Steve Shahinian, who's a bloodstock agent for Harvey Clark, who picked out uh, Cairo Prince as a yearling, was also high on Conquest Titan at the uh, two-year-old sales. He just didn't have the fire firepower to buy him. Well, it's interesting that uh, Cairo Prince is out of a, a Holy Bull mare, and <laughs> this race yeah. was uh, the Holy Bull. Uh, you know, he's, he's by Empire Maker. Uh, I mean, he's a grandson of Empire Maker, so uh-huh. may may have the distance. Um, let, me, let me pull you back to a horse that uh, was visually impressive, but okay. ran into a short field because of scratches. I'm talking about the sham stakes, uh-huh. and it was uh, Bob Baffert, who we know is will have probably six bullets in his gun when it gets near derby time. Yeah. Uh, Midnight Hawk. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get your read on what you thought about that. I really thought Christo was a big, really good-looking horse uh, that the sham uh, turned into a sham. It turned into a two-horse race yeah, uh, between yeah. Christo and Midnight Hawk. Midnight Hawk impressed me, but when I look at his pedigree, I, I just don't know if he's a mile-and-a-quarter horse. I would uh, say he is. Um, Midnight Hawk, uh, again, uh, uh, racing in California Especially the Derby preps, it's really it's really hard to get a, a read on them because so many of the fields are as you, are four or five horses. Uh, you know the the pace is, is the, the pace is always the same and the outcome uh, never really that exciting. But Midnight Hawk, uh, people forget that back in the day, Midnight Loot was on the Derby trail, and Baffert thought he could get him to go a mile and a quarter, and then I can't remember, he got injured. He was off for almost a year and came back. Well, he back. had breathing problems, as I recall. Yeah, and was just a uh, you know dynamite sprinter. Now, the, uh, the, the, the dam side goes back to the second dam, I believe, is Silver Bullet Day. Oh, well, then, yeah, I guess we, we do have didn't have uh, any trouble uh, getting uh, a mile and eighth in the Kentucky Oaks and actually ran into Belmont Stakes. Well, but, uh, again, now, Midnight Loot was trained by Baffert. Uh, His daddy, real quiet, won the Kentucky Derby, uh, was was trained by Baffert. Uh, it, it will will be uh, interesting. Again, it was only a four-horse field. I, I, I was I was kind of impressed with the physicality of Christo. He almost seemed to re-break a little bit after uh, Midnight Hawk went by him. Uh, I don't know if I was seeing what I was seeing, but I was, I was impressed with that horse, uh, Trained by Sadler and uh, ridden by Rafael Bayarano. Must be a pretty good-looking horse. He only brought a half a million dollars to Keenan. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think he's a really nice horse, too. But I th- but as far as uh, uh, me looking at the horses out in the West Coast, I would put Midnight Hawk uh, at the top of the list. All right, well... Uh, Which, again, I mean, you know, it's the master of the obvious, but uh, that's, that's the way I see it. Well, how about this horse that I considered to have odd bedfellows in Vickers in Trouble that won the Grade Three Lecomte uh-huh. uh, down at the fairgrounds. You've got a, a Ken and Sarah Ramsey horse 
that they didn't breed, that's by a Kentucky stallion that was born in Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what was your read on Vickers in Trouble? Because I'll tell you what, uh, he, he drew off uh, proving himself to be much the best in LeCompte, and he might be on that, uh, that uh, New Orleans trail pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, he is a very interesting horse, and looking at the race, he was one that you wanted to uh, kind of watch and see how he did, and uh, I, I didn't, you know, at the top of the lane, I thought, oh, he looks really good, he, you know, will probably win, <clears throat> excuse me, but I, I didn't think by any stretch he would draw by as much as he did. Now, the Louisiana bread angle is a little bit interesting, is, is that he's by uh, Into Mischief, who, you know, now is a uh, uh, one of the hot Sires. He had two horses uh, in the Derby last year from his first crop with Vijack and uh, and uh, can't think of the other one right off the top of my head. But he stands at Spendthrift, uh, B. Wayne Hughes' farm here in Kentucky. Uh, so the, the mare was covered by Into Mischief, uh, shipped to Louisiana, where where Hughes also has several uh, stallions. So I mean, from a from a business aspect, that kind of makes sense when you just look and see a. Spendthrift Louisiana bred, it may not uh, make sense, but actually the mare went down there, dropped her fall, was bred to uh, one of his stallions down there, and then now has come back to Kentucky. But you're, yeah, but it is kind of odd that uh, Ken and Sarah bought her, bought the horses, uh, bought the horse. Yeah, and and, and again, and then you've got a maker doing it. I mean, uh, and you may see more and more of that. Uh, I know you're aware of uh, what we hopefully will see as a growth in the Ohio program. And a friend of mine just got a mare in full from Kendall Hansen to drop in Ohio. So <laughs> you may see more of that as uh, you know the state bred programs begin to grow. Well, yeah, that that's a uh, good problem for our uh, uh, state legislatures here in uh, in Frankfurt, as you see more and more mares. Or more and more foals, you know, that are that are New York bred, Pennsylvania bred, Louisiana bred, you know, to take advantage of those uh, programs. They're they're a lot of them are covered by Kentucky stallions, but the mares don't stay here long enough to drop their foals. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, yes, yes, it is, <laughs> uh, especially with the, the lucrative uh, New York program. We'll see how long that that uh, stays on. And I, let me take you all the way back to just a little bit after New Year's Day uh, was like the, one of the earliest points races. Uh, the, the the Jerome uh-huh. no, Noble Moon. You're talking about Spencer Farm. They got another one besides Into Mischief. The Malibu Moon is absolutely on fire, uh-huh. and uh, his three year old son Noble Moon was uh, pretty impressive. He ran third to Cairo Prince in the, in the Nashua. He kind of dug in late in that race. I don't know. I know I'm asking you to go back a ways in time, but uh, were you impressed with his effort in the Jerome? Uh, yes, yeah, somewhat, and, and we'll get a very good read on that uh, Saturday in the Withers as uh, uh, you know the horses that ran second and third to Noble Moon are coming right back in the Withers in, uh, in uh, uh, classic uh, jock and roll in uh, Scotland, and I'm very anxious to look at that race on Saturday. Uh, yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at my notes uh, that I that I kept from the Jerome, and I did make notes on both Classic Jarrock and Roll uh, and Scotland as far as them making uh, nice closes uh, a little too late. I mean, uh, you know, Scotland uh, remains a, a maiden. Uh, classic Jarrock and Roll uh, uh, started out its winning efforts at, at uh, 
parks, if I ever get used to calling that track yeah. that. Uh, but but he has gotten to the winner's circle, and both of those look uh, pretty good. And you got one that was, uh, we go back to Holy Bull, a, a son of Giacomo, who, you know, uh, won the Kentucky Derby. And, of course, uh, Malibu Moons, a son of AP Indy that won the Belmont. So it's interesting watching, watching a lot of these classic bloodlines come back to us this year. And uh, as, as you uh, alluded to, uh, We've got the Wither Stakes, so uh, with, with uh, no further ado, um, I'm going to uh, call on you to kind of uh, break it break it down to us. Uh, the, the Wither Stakes, quite frankly, the race is going to be run in New York at Aqueduct, a mile and a sixteenth, and I think the top two horses are New York bred lookalikes that have uh, successfully gone sprint to distance, and their last wins were by 14 and 16 lengths, and both of them have 95 buyers. I'm talking about Uncle Cy and Samarot. You talk about the growth of a state-bred program. These two New York breds look awful solid. Yeah, this is going to be very interesting, and I've you know looked at it on paper. I've gone back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You can't. It's very difficult to separate these horses. The only uh, you know angles maybe you can look at is uh, you know Uncle Sai has the rail and uh, and Samrat is uh, you know in post five and uh, you know kind of a rule of thumb I always kind of like the outside horse. Oh well, it uh, it'll be interesting because Uncle Sai I noticed that his fractions uh, early on uh, were a little bit quicker than than Samrat. Mm-hmm. I got a feeling in this somewhat short field, he's going to be able to get that rail if he wants it. Well, I think so, but then, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll just see if uh, Sam Rad is uh, surgically attached to his hip or not, and then see what that what that does to both of them, if it does anything. <laughs> well, that, again, now we got we, you know, the two horses we mentioned early. Um, you've got, the, if those two horses, which both show that they've it's a somewhat fleet of foot, obviously, uh, to draw to make the lead the way they did and to draw off the way they did, uh, we've got those two closers that we just mentioned in Scotland and Classic Giac and Roll. They're both coming out of the Jerome. They ran second and third, respectively. Um you, how do you see this race coming up? I mean, uh, it, it's tough when you, all, all four of those horses have a shot. That, that's true. Uh, I, I uh, would, again, have, have torn this race apart, and it's very difficult to come up with. But I, I'm going to give the edge to Scotland, uh, just based solely off that effort in the Jerome. He was down on the inside all the way around, and when they came out of the turn, was kind of making his move. And he was, you know, he wasn't squeezed or impeded or anything, but let's say he was intimidated a little uh, uh, with Noble Moon and Classic Jock and Roll. So I'm just hopeful with a with a clear run, uh, he can make up that uh, the difference between uh, I think it was about two two and a half lengths between him and Classic uh, Jock and Roll. And Classic Jock and Roll also had a very clean trip. He was a little wide, but he had, uh, you know, of those two, he had everything his own way in the Jerome. So uh, when in doubt, I'll go with uh, Scotland this time around. <laughs> well, it's going to be very interesting to see just how good those two New York breads are mm-hmm. and uh, to see just how developing both uh, Scotland and the uh, classic uh, Giac and Roll uh, turn out to be. Again, we're just uh, uh, discussing with Evan Hammonds uh, the Withers Stakes. That'll be on mm-hmm. Saturday uh, at Aqueduct. Also on Saturday, a race that I believe had derby points last year, 
but does not have derby points this year, and that is the the grade three uh, Sam Davis. Uh, We just got off the phone with Marty McGee. He's down there to to cover that race. Um, This race came coming up kind of interesting. I got a feeling it'll it'll be probably a a, a springboard for some of the top horses maybe to all of a sudden go down to Gulfstream and get bigger points. Yeah, it's uh, it's and again handicapping. It's just one you almost want to pull your hair out over because uh, there are eight horses in the field. None of the eight horses have raced at Tampa Bay Downs, and none of the eight horses even have a published workout at Tampa <laughs> Bay Downs. So uh, <laughs> if, you, if you have a really strong opinion here, I think you might be kidding yourself. Well, you know, uh, I don't, I, I've got one, two, three, four. I, I have checks <laughs> on five horses. Yeah, and this is yeah, only an eight-horse field. So th- these are all horses that that I feel have have credential uh, to to win. The two, I guess, um, if I'm going to say Evan, uh, that 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 come that, that seem to have a lot of upside to them. Uh, number one is Harpoon, mm-hmm. uh, a Pletcher-trained horse. Luis Sayez is going to run. This horse ran second uh, to Cairo Prince, and Cairo Prince's maiden win, uh, and then uh, just broke its maiden at Gulfstream Park with an 82 buyer. Half a million dollar Keeneland horse. Had to look awful good. Son of Tappet. We all know how well they're doing. Mm-hmm. But then the, the, the head-scratcher for me is Noble Cornerstone. And again, we're, talking to Marty, we're not even 100% sure Kent DeSormo is going to ride this horse, but he has been riding for West Ward, and he decided to go all the way to Remington Park uh, to ride this horse in uh, the, I believe it was called uh, the Springboard Mile, a quarter million dollar race at Remington after breaking his maiden at, at Aqueduct, and it, if you're a believer in the buyers, uh, this horse is pretty solid. He comes out of the gate, runs an 89 buyer, and he only gets beat a neck after just missing uh, in that Remington race and gets a 91 buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, this race, uh, an angle I like, second time Lasix, those two kind of rise to the top, but man, I still got checks by uh, Vince Ramos, Asserting Bear, and Matador. And with that, I'll shut up and listen to Evan Hammond's view of the race. Oh, just a little bit too. Uh, one more thing about Noble Cornerstone that that Springboard Mile race a year ago. A horse that competed in there was a horse by the name of Will Take Charge. I heard of him. So that's. Uh, I think that's. Uh, it's one of those races that always draws a. Uh, pretty varied field but as uh, last year proved to be a pretty key race so uh, who knows who knows about this year uh, as far as others in the field you uh, you didn't mention a horse I'm interested in which is a uh, cousin Stephen uh, Chad Brown's uh, horse it was a $200,000 a proud citizen yearling I thought he was pretty impressive uh, breaking his maiden at Aqueduct in November and was even Almost as equally impressed with his run uh, the first part of the year at Gulfstream Park. Uh, he, he kind of faded late behind Commissioner, which is a horse, kind of a buzz horse on the Triple Crown Trail. But in that in that uh, Gulfstream race, uh, you know they came home in twelve and one, which is pretty quick. So th- those are things I always look for. Um, another horse you didn't mention that I've kind of intrigued by is uh, an outsider. I'm not sure what kind of price he would, he's going to be, but is a school on a hill. 
Well, yeah, I mean, what a huge close in, in his last race in that optional cleaner at Gulfstream Park. But I'm famous for being a master of the obvious, uh, Evan. You ought, you ought to know that by now. So, in eight horse field, I cannot mention three, and they'll end up hitting the trifecta. Well, my producer's telling me I only got about a minute and a half. So, we, let's take a look, of course. We've been talking derby. Let's talk about a, a race that's going to have points for the Kentucky Oaks quickly uh, out of Santa Anita, the Las Virgenes. Uh, I'm not sure if this race is a, a rematch of the Starlet between tastes like candy and streaming uh, there's going to be a five pound shift in weight from the last time they met yeah i think you know looking at this race again uh, i'm you know more focused on the three-year-olds but looking at it quickly it, it those two quickly stand out to me and i don't um i would i don't know which way you would go I'd just go with an exact box it's not going to be super sexy not going to play pay a lot but i mean those, those two uh, stand out to me well, Evan, listen, um, anything else uh, happening uh, with, with you down at the Blood Horse or uh, after the wire, things coming up that we need to keep an eye on? Well, I'm just trying to think. We've uh, got the after the wire that's on, uh, it goes on bloodhorse.com every Sunday night. We have uh, that handicapping show uh, that I uh, was on, uh, and you probably hear a lot of the things I just said today. That's on bloodhorse.com on Thursdays after afternoons. And uh, other than that, we're just uh, putting out the best uh, weekly magazine we can every week and updating that website as quick as we can. Well, all I can t- tell you is uh, I, I, you work with a lot of great people. I'm, I'm good friends with a lot of the guys at the Blood Horse, and uh, it, it, it's an excellent group. And um, you guys are putting out a, a great product. Uh, you're, you're right on my morning coffee click every day, and um, you're doing an outstanding job, and I'll be looking forward to watching After the Wire, uh, usually Monday mornings when I tune in. Very good. All right. Well, that that was Evan Hammonds from the Blood Horse. I, I want to thank him very much for being with us, and also congratulations on the Eclipse Award winner, Marty McGee. Again, go on drf.com for DeSormo, conflicting views on his struggles. Obviously, the best story written this year, or he wouldn't be winning the Eclipse Awards. Thanks for tuning in with us to Winning Ponies. Don't forget, you got to get on there. you got to get your easy figs. They're bringing down big numbers, big winners every week. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.